All right, but hey, that's right. We are in the charismatic chaos, the untold history of the charismatic movement. By way of recap, we're taking a look at the disclaimer. I'm not saying everybody who's a charismatic is in the occult, but again, a lot of the behavior is going in that direction, so we, get, we need to deal with it. Then we saw the movement itself as nothing new, as they would say, it's the latest move of the Spirit of God that you resist. No, we're not. This is old-fashioned uh, Montanism stuff that was dealt with uh, in early uh, post the apostles. Then the gibberish, even the things that they say is supposed it's uh, speaking in, in tongues, languages, is not really even the biblical gift at all. That's nothing new. The cults and New Age and Hindus, they do all that too. Then we dealt with an extensive study on the spiritual gifts because that's where the rub is, right? You and I would say some are uh, permanent, some are temporary. They'd say, no, no, they're all in function today, including some of the offices like the apostles and prophets and things of that nature. And that's, that's another problem they get, they get wrong. Speaking of which, we got into the aberrant behavior as well. And that's the things like slaying the spirit and drunk in the spirit, uh, gold manifestations, all that kind of stuff. And we saw that ain't biblical. Uh, and we know it can't come from God because it contradicts God's word. And does God contradict himself? So it can't be from God, okay? It's chicanery, it's learned behavior, and it's unfortunately another way to rip people off of their money. Speaking of money, then we got into uh, aberrant beliefs. We dealt with the first problem is female pastors. Not only they have so-called uh, female apostles, uh, female uh, all kinds of things, but they even pastors, and we dealt with that extensively. That's not what the scripture teaches. Then last time if you are here, we dealt with the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel we saw is not the gospel. It's a false gospel, uh, and it will not make you prosperous apparently the only ones who's getting prosperous uh is the ones who are the hucksters that is selling this baloney it's also known out there if you're familiar with it the word faith movement the name it and claim it the blab it and grab it group okay but it is what peter warned second peter chapter two we saw uh in the in the future times there come false teachers who would specifically preach a false gospel of greed and that's exactly what these guys are doing and what we saw too is believe it or not every single time we see unfortunately these hucksters on TV who are saying, you need to sow seed to my ministry. God told me to tell you, I was reading Psalm 126. You need to send in $126 right now, brother, sister. And to, no, for some of you though, that means $12,600. You need to sow seed. Every time we see those guys on TV and it's basically everywhere on so-called Christian TV, it's a sign we're in the last days. We know it's wrong, but do we equate it with living in the last days? The false teachers specifically that would come, and as we saw there, would blasphemeo uh, God's way, the truth, and the, the worlds we saw is laughing at this, mocking this. They'll call these guys out on the carpet, unfortunately, much quicker than you and I, the church, okay? Now we're going to get into the third aberrant belief, okay? And this is another thing that they have, and it's called deliverance ministries, dun, 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 right? And they'll say, this is something that we need to be a part of, we need to be open to in the last days. And uh, because these people have the, apparently the uh, sneak, uh, super uh, techniques that only they uh, can handle spiritual warfare. Apparently the rest of us have our hands tied and we're inept. Well, no, uh, that's not true. We're gonna get into that, okay? But I wanna first explain the mistake that we Christians make, okay, that these guys capitalize on okay, and then come along and get us to try to buy into this deliverance ministry, right? Because if you have a weakened state with Jesus Christ, you have some spiritual problems, right? Right? So they come in with a, a false methodology, and as we're going to see tonight, just like the prosperity fake guys, they're making cash off of it, okay? And uh, it's unfortunate. But basically, we get into a weakened state, okay? And again, these guys come in and say that, uh, well, obviously, you're not spiritual like me because I don't have problems like you, Okay, and uh, but let me tell you, um, 
you are just, you know, hanging high and dry. Uh, you have no resources. So what you do is you come to my seminar, you buy my books, okay, or you take my courses that's going to teach you, because only I have these secret techniques, how to deal with demons and, and spiritual warfare issues, okay, and uh, I'm the only one spiritually who can get rid of these. Is that what the Bible teaches? No, you know who teaches that when it comes to spiritual warfare? Catholics, right? You think about Catholics and you talk about uh, spiritual warfare, demonic activity, and things of that nature. What is the premise that Catholicism, uh, even in the media, they perpetrate this lie? Uh, it's not in the Bible. But what do they say when it comes to dealing with demonic issues? Even, I mean, I mean, true, full-blown demonic issues, right? Not just in general spiritual war. Right? They say what? Basically, you're in. You're you're all you're toast. You have no power. Until, and, and you can't do anything. You know, your hands are tied until guess who shows up? The Catholic priest. And only he has that holy water. Only he can dangle that on you. Only he can get rid of this demon. That's not what the Bible says. Okay? It's about a bunch of baloney. This is the premise that they would have you and I to believe. And the Catholics aren't doing it, but the same thing with these deliverance ministries. That you and I are inept. We need these guys to come deliver us, hence deliverance ministries, all right? But it's kind of like this. Watch this. Yeah, you might as well unplug yourself from that reality, okay? Because that's in that mindset, because that's what they do, right? That somehow we need some secret spiritual guru who's so much more powerful than you when it comes to demonic issues and spiritual warfare, we are just inept. You need to unplug from that. But that's the premise of not only Catholicism, but the so-called deliverance ministries, even in the so-called Protestant church. That's what they would say. The Bible says, though, if you're going to experience, and if you're experiencing genuine spiritual warfare, guess what? Here's the good news. You are not inept. You don't have to sit there and just wait for the Catholic priest to show up. You don't have to wait and go to some seminar, take some class, or go to some uh, uh, a conference that these guys are at and have some demon, and you're just stuck with it until that time comes. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that in Christ, all of us have the ability to individually, okay, deal with it. You don't need to wait around for a spiritual guru. 
I deal with this all the time. I get phone calls, and people say, hey, Pastor Billy, you know, I think there's some demons in my house and all this stuff. And I say, okay, I'm not discounting that. Maybe, I say, you know, and, uh, but I need you to come over here and clean it up. And I says, okay, well, I don't have a problem with praying with you, if you whatever, and, and, and maybe I could come by. But can I tell you what the Bible teaches? If you got demonic issues, truly, number one, you need to do some spring cleaning. Because if it's true demonic issues, you know, sometimes it's not. They're just whatever. But, but if it's truly demonic, then you're, something's inviting that activity. And not, you, not only you, but some members of your household, you need to pay attention. Sometimes I've got stories of people that they've got roommates and stuff, and they're back doing some dark stuff. Well, no wonder you got some demonic issues. So I'm not saying those things don't happen, okay? But as a born-again Christian, you got the same authority as I do. You didn't say just pastors have that authority, right? Every born-again Christian. So I oftentimes have to redirect and say, you have that ability. In fact, I'll share one testimony. It's here in Sunrise. I won't mention names. But this one lady, uh, she, you know, usually people say, oh, no, but you've got to do it because they have this mindset. No, it's got to be a spiritual guru. And I, there's me, really? I can't do that. The Bible says you can. But this one lady, she finally got it. And she was actually like, after I told her, no, this is what the Bible says. You have the same authority as I do. You can deal with them in the name of Jesus Christ, right? As a born-again Christian, we're all indwelt with the Spirit of God. Jesus is right there with you. You're his child. You don't belong to the evil one, right? You can deal with it. You don't need me. I mean, I'll, I can still come over if you really wanted to, but you don't need me, right? The one lady actually got it, and she was like, really? Are you serious? I said, yeah. And, she, and I was getting ready to say goodbye, and she was basically trying to hang up the phone. She said, no, no offense, Pastor, but I'm going to do it right now. And I'm going, yeah, you got it, right? But this is, this is what the whole basis of deliverance ministry in the charismatic movement is today. You are just, your hands are tied. You can't do nothing. You need a spiritual guru to come along when it comes to dealing with spiritual warfare. And oftentimes, it's going to cost you something. It's a bunch of baloney, all right? But let's see what the scripture has to say. The Bible says that if you're dealing with spiritual warfare, all you got to do is two things. You need to be strong in God's mighty power, and you put on his armor, go have a great day. Okay, open your Bibles to Ephesians 6. That's our opening text. Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we're going to read verses 10 through 13. Now, this is obviously reminiscent of our 30-week uh, study on spiritual warfare. They say satanic war on the Christian. And uh, the last 10 studies, we tore this apart, verse by verse in the original language. And, uh, but this is dealing with how do you deal with spiritual warfare? Do we really need to walk around and be afraid? Do we really need some spiritual guru to come rescue us every time there's some sort of a demonic issue? Absolutely not. God has not left us hanging high and dry. Every individual Christian can deal with this stuff, right? And you don't need to pay somebody or wait for somebody to show up. Now, here's what he says, verse 10. Finally, be strong in who? In the Lord and in his what? Mighty power. You put on the full armor of God so that you what? can notice it didn't say maybe might you got to buy a book you got to go find somebody else who it says who can you can right you don't need to wait for somebody else you can take your stand against whose schemes the devil's schemes. so there is demons there's devils there's spiritual warfare i'm not discounting that but you can deal with it in the lord right for our struggle and he admits it right it's, it's not always natural sometimes it's supernatural our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms therefore right so there is a battle out there i'll give you that therefore put on the full armor of god so that when not if the day of evil comes who you may be able to stand whose ground your ground and after who you have done everything you mean you could do it all by yourself? I don't have to pay money? I don't have to wait for some guy to show up? So I'm just reading Bible, right? You, okay, he says, have done everything to stand. That's it. 
Case closed, right? I don't have to hire somebody, right? And I got the authority in Jesus Christ, okay? Now, let me bring out a couple of things there that God says, here's what you do if and when you're dealing with spiritual warfare. Now, dare I say, sometimes spiritual warfare doesn't always have to involve uh, actual demons, you know, uh, or uh, full-blown demonic possession, okay? It could just be temptation or, or it could be demonic where they're tempting you and things of that nature, okay? But it doesn't have to be something like you saw in the video, which was fake anyway. Was, how many you guys saw the vacuum? Okay, whatever. All right. But, uh, but here's what God says. When individual Christian, you, 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 how many times in that passage did he say individual? The individual person, you, what do you do? Here's your solution. Not if, but when it happens, you don't need to freak out. You don't need to be afraid. What do you do? You just simply stand strong. You stand, okay? And you stand strong, right? And stand strong on what? Yourself, somebody else's techniques, the 18 steps that they figured out, all the things you got to memorize and do it in order, and you better do it in exact order or it's not going to work. No, stand strong in whose mighty? God's mighty power. Okay, and then what do you do? You put on his armor. And again, we saw, we, we tore that apart, what that means. Now, what I want to focus on there is mighty power. In the Greek, it's iskus kratos. Let's say that. All right, one of these times they'll say that, Pastor Bobby, because I asked them to say that, but they didn't get it. Uh, Iskus Kratos, and it's not just Kratos. Kratos uh, is power for strength, but it's Iskus Kratos, so it literally means mighty power, mighty force, mighty strength, okay? The emphasis here is when God empowers you, Christian, it's not just some mighty power or just some power that's just dribbling over the, the edge or some leftover stuff he pulled out of his pocket or here, I hope we get you by. Okay, that mindset is it's a mighty power. In fact, that's Ephesians 6. If you back up at Ephesians 1, Paul tells you what that mighty power has the ability to do. Let me share with you that verse, uh, Ephesians 1, 18 through 22. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope of which he's called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints well what's part of our inheritance when we get saved well you get what his incomparably great power right for us who believe well what is that power able to do well that power is like the working of his mighty strength there it is which he what exerted in christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority what who's, who's far above all rule for even satan even demons yeah, this is the power that God's given to us in Christ, right? Power and dominion, every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things, how many? All things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything that is the church. So Paul, basically, it's the same thing. So this, he says, you stand strong in God's mighty power. What power is he talking about? That power we just read, that what? That is the one that Jesus used to do all of his miracles, to destroy Satan, to defeat death, that he displayed all creation. How many of you guys realize that speaking the whole universe and everything into existence out of nothing with a spoken word is kind of powerful? Yeah, that's iskus kratos. That's, whoa, that's mind-blowing power, right? And that's what he's talking about. It's the same, listen, it's the same power that's available to us that has power over all rule and authority, which includes demonic realms, right? So guess what? That means I don't need to wait for some so-called spiritual guru to show up on the scene and my hands are tied and I just can't do nothing. That's a lie. And they developed a whole, quote unquote, to use the term, ministry out of that lie. As we'll see again towards the end of the study, if we get that far, they're making cash out of it. It's a lie, right? And dare I say, it's destroying a lot of people's lives, 
Okay, right? If we just do what God says to do, follow his solution, put on his armor, stay strong in his mighty power, okay? Just take your stand, resist the devil, the Bible says, and he will, not maybe not might, he will flee from you. Okay, that's what it says. I'm just quoting Bible. I don't need a spiritual guru to come alongside. Now, the, the, I want to break it down a little bit more because this is kind of a Christianese phrase. So he says the first thing you need to do is stand strong in God's power. All right, that's great. So what you do is every day you get out of bed and you go, mm, oh, no, no. You see, it's God's power, so you got to lift weights spiritually with your Bible. Oh, you do curls, crunches. Well, well, how do you do that? How do you stand strong, right, in God's power? What are the things that empower us in our walk with Jesus Christ? Well, this is called the Christian basics. How do you stand strong in God's power? And by the way, it's in a continuance every single day. Um, <clears throat> you know, all the things we're supposed to do as Christians. You wonder why we're so weak, and, uh, right? Uh, daily Bible reading, daily prayer, daily witnessing, daily listening and singing to God-honoring worship music, dare I say. Uh, daily f- uh, fellowshipping, not just with Christians. Unfortunately, you got to say this today, godly Christians, right? Okay, uh, all the basics. And you think, well, well, how does that empower us? Well, think about it. When you're reading your Bible every day, where is your mind? On the things of God. When you're praying every single day and talking to God, wherever you go, where's your mind? On the things of God. When you're listening and singing God-honoring true worship music, okay, where's your mind? On the things of God. When you're witnessing to somebody about Jesus Christ, obviously, where's your mind? On Jesus Christ, on God. When you're fellowshipping with godly Christians who are doing the same thing, where's your mind? Right? And you know it's godly fellowship because when you leave each other, you actually feel better from whence you came. You know you're in the midst of an ungodly group when you feel worse. Not supposed to work that way, okay? But that's what he says. And, and to use Jesus' term, it's basically, he says all that stuff that we, we call Christian basics, he says that's basically abiding in him, right? And when you abide in him every day in a loving relationship, right, you receive his power and he does great things, right? This is what we see, John 15. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, okay, and I in him, what's gonna happen? I love this phrase here. It's not just you're going to bear fruit. What's he say? Much fruit, right? You wonder why things aren't happening? What's going on? Not only you're not losing out on the power of God, it's just, it just you're in a spiritually weakened state. And, 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 and it's like, man, when's the last time I really truly bore fruit for Jesus and God used me to do something? Are you abiding in the vine? Oh, we're abiding in something. But what are you abiding in? What are you spending your time in? If it's not the things of God, you're getting tricked to basically being unplugged from Christ. And you're going to get into a spiritually weakened state. And again, where I'm going with this, because when you get into a spiritually weakened state and it goes on long enough, guess what temptation you're going to fall for? I need somebody to deliver me. No, you just need to get back on track with Jesus Christ. Right? But he says there, you can do nothing if you don't abide in him. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and is what? Burned, right? How many times do we get burned because we basically, oh, yeah, reading the Bible, praying, and witnessing. That's, I learned that when I first got saved. That's, those, that's for baby Christians. I'm so mature, I don't need to do that no more. Well, no wonder your walk's messed up. That's called your foundation. Don't ever get off your foundation, right? The reason why you were so on fire for Jesus Christ, you had flames come out of your head, you were witnessing to everything, including a turtle that was walking by. You tried anything, right? Man, it was just, okay, John, was that really you? Okay, perhaps Bobby. Okay, Pastor Bobby. But anyway, right? Why? Because what were you doing when you first got saved? Nobody had to twist your arm. 
Man, you're reading your Bible, praying, singing. Woo! No wonder. Why? And guess what? You can get back to that if you just get back to abiding in Christ, right? The enemy knows that when you get unplugged from Christ, it's a pathway to a powerless life. The enemy has no power over what we described of God's mighty power, Iskus Kratos, the same one that created the universe, the same one that defeated the devil, defeated death itself, all of that stuff, the miracles that Jesus did, all that power is available through Christ. We're indwelt with his spirit. Okay, that's available, but guess what? He can't defeat it, so what does he do? He gets us to not tap into it. And again, the enemy not only puts us into a spiritually weakened state, but I believe he's drudged up these hucksters to now make it even worse, right? Okay, and again, they're making money off it. Now, let me give you a couple of things. Now, if you're actually dealing with uh, demonic issues and things of that nature, the Bible just simply again says you need to stand strong in God's, you know, there and, and with his armor. And then it just, he just adds a word. It's just resist, right? No gimmicks. You just resist. Now, let me quote uh, those scriptures to you real quick, right? First Peter 5, 18, 9, be self-controlled and alert because who? Your enemy, the what? The devil. So we're not discounting that there's the demon and the, the devil. And this, no, that's not some symbol of evil. There really is an evil one. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he's out there, right? Okay. So what do you do? What's the, what's one word? Resist. That's it, right? Resist him and stand firm in the faith because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God. And what do you do? If you actually encounter a demon or things that, what's the word again? Same word, resist him. That's it, just resist. And he will what? Here's the great news. Flee from you. you you're in God's power. You belong to Jesus Christ. The devil can't touch you. You just resist him. You stand in God's truth, stand in his power. You got the armor on, ain't worried about it, Right? And he will flee from you. I didn't say it, God did. And go back to the text. That's why you put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand, okay? Now, let me pull out a couple things and because this is what these guys do. Because what they have is they have secret techniques. And it usually involves a long period of time and extremely loud words. Right? Now, let me give you an example. Now, the words there that we just saw in those three passages, to stand, you just stand and resist. Two things. God says to do two things, okay? Stand, resist. Stand, resist. Now, let me, let me get that. No, no gimmicks, no screaming, right? No techniques. Don't need to buy a book. You don't need to follow somebody's 18-step plan. Just stand and resist. Stand and resist is actually the same Greek word. It's antihistamine. Now, can you guess what English word we get from that? Anahistamine. Now, an anahistamine is something that we use to block, okay, the histamines, anti, right, those things that are causing allergy symptoms, right? So they can't get you because they're blocked now with the anahistamine. Get it? Well, that's the word that's used there. The Greek means to block, to set oneself against, to oppose, to resist, to withstand. That's it. No screaming, no shouting, none of that stuff. Right? So let's go back to when we take our medicine. Is this what we do? Right? How do you get rid of your allergies? Well, I, I know it's just really simple. It's just two steps. You open up the bottle. One, you grab the pill and swallow it. Two. No, that's too simple. What you really need to do is this. Ron, you need to scream at that hay fever. Right? I'm going to scream at the hay fever. No, I'm going to call out those dust mites, and I'm going to name them by name. That's what's going on. I, I need to rebuke the spirit of pollen that's fallen all around. Are you? 
No, I just stand and resist. I just take the medicine and let it do its thing. That's all God is saying, right? You, you don't need to resort to all these gimmicks and all that stuff. Just stand and resist, okay? Uh, and you'll have fun. But that's what these guys do. You got to scream, right? You get to call it spirit of bubble gum. The reason why, brother, you're chewing so much bubble gum. Yeah, see, it makes you scream, doesn't it? You're screaming that, right? And then it's because you got to call out that demon by name. No, what you got to do is you got to do that. I'm going to resist you, and we're just going to stand here, and we're just going to shout. We're going to shout and scream and do it. You could jump up and down, hoop and holler, whatever. Uh, you're not going to do it in your own strength. If you want to deal with spiritual warfare, it's God. But you don't have to hoop and holler. You don't have to come up with some technique. You don't need to scream and yell endlessly. You don't need to follow 85,000 different steps, right? You just do what God says to do. Now, that is bad enough. They'll get us to resort to these techniques. They'll get us to think that when we're in a weakened state, that we are uh, needing their services to get back on track. None of that's true. But let me give you a couple more things real quick of, that they teach that is flat out unbiblical that typically come also with these deliverance ministries. Not only that they're the spiritual guru and only they can deal with a spiritual warfare. Mistake number one, line number one, dare I say. Number two, that all the scripture says is we just need to stand and resist and we're fine, have a great day. The devil will flee from you. I didn't say it, God did. Oh no, they got all these techniques and screaming and yelling, hooping, hollering, rolling around, all that stuff, right? And smack them on the head and do, no, you don't need to do that. Line. Okay, but this one is this. And uh, is they say that Christians can be possessed. Typically, this crowd says that uh, you could be possessed. Now, again, now you're going even deeper. You're saying like, oh, so uh, not only uh, do I, am I experiencing spiritual warfare, but the reason why you're experiencing spiritual warfare is because you got a demon inside you. And again, who has the answer, supposedly? Only they, right? Only they can get rid of that demon inside you. But that is completely unbiblical, right? Let me just give you a couple passages that easily demonstrate that. 1 Corinthians 3.16, what's Paul say? Don't you know that you yourselves, Christian, are what? You are God's temple and God's spirit is where? He lives in you. Let me give you another one. John 14.23, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My what? Father will love him and we, Jesus and the Father, will come to him and make our home where? with him so you stir all this together folks you got the trinity going on here right you got god if god the spirit god the father and god the son has made their home in me as a christian and i have become their intimate temple then how in the world am i ever going to become demon possessed again you the whole premise means you really mean to tell me that god is so inept that he really doesn't have iskus kratos the power to basically keep a demon at bay and then he's just forced to basically scoot over inside of you and let this demon coexist with no that's so unbiblical it's not even funny okay now i can be externally oppressed but i can no longer as a born-again christian the moment i become a christian i am indwelt with the holy spirit of god and from the moment of salvation i can never ever ever because I never lose his spirit, I can never be demon-possessed again. Why? Because Paul also says that the spirit of God is our seal. It is God's pledge that we are guaranteed our redemption. It's our bone in the Greek, remember that? It's God's engagement ring. He gives you the spirit permanently inside of you to make sure that he is going to live up to his promise. You're going to get to heaven. He never leaves. It's a permanent indwelling, right? So if he's permanently inside me, how could that ever? It can't. But again, these hucksters, they get people to buy into that. That's why you've got a problem because you've got a demon. And of course, only we can get rid of it for you. 
Oh, don't forget, pay up. Okay, it's a money-making scheme, right? Now, even the external attacks. Now, we can be externally attacked. That's what Paul says. You just stand and resist, okay? But the Bible says, I don't even have to be afraid. Why? Because who do I belong to? Jesus Christ. What did we just quote Ephesians 1? He's got the power over what? All creation, all authority, all, and we belong to him. We're his children. We're the king's kids. We ain't to be afraid, right? Let me just give you a couple passages. I don't have to walk around in fear, even of actual demonic issues. 1 John 4, 4, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And Paul says this, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Of course, I don't have to be afraid of the devil or demons or Satanists or people threatening me. I'm going to throw a curse on you, witches, witchcraft. Who cares? It's not my focus. Right? And, and dare I say, it becomes unhealthy when these people sit there, oh, there's a demon this and there's a demon that caused your flat tire. There's a demon in that thermostat back there. That's why it's up and down. There's a demon in that pew right there. That's why it's cracked right there. The, the crack of the, the demons are coming out. Not only is that ridiculous, Okay, but the whole time that people are so, oh, really? I say, yeah, uh, where's their mindset? Satan this, Satan that, Satan demons, demons, Satan demons, Satan demons. And that's what this whole thing encourages. You're walking around in fear. You're freaking out, man. And, and your hands are tied supposedly, and I, I got to get back to the guru to fix me up. And, and I'm just a slave to all these demons and all this, and I just have no victory. That's not what the Bible says. But the whole time that you're thinking this is a demon this and a demon that, and it's all this, and there are demons, right? But come on. Remember I told you guys the story that one lady, it was the mom of a, a youth that I was a pastor at the time in California, but she got so hooked up into this stuff. She was so afraid, man. She was afraid of demons. Demons were causing everything. And that's all she could think about. Okay. And even to the point where she, when she would go to work, her ritual every day, her son told me this, uh, that she would pack all of her clothes, all of her clothes, and her whole house into garbage bags and put them into the trunk and take them with her to work. You know why? Because she was convinced that demons were cursing her clothes while she was gone. Where's your mindset? You have no peace. You're in fear. The Bible says I, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. The power of love and the sound mind, greater is he that is in. I don't need to walk around in fear of demons. Now, I don't stick my head in the sand and act like it isn't real. But that's not my focus. My focus is Jesus Christ. I got my head to the plow. I ain't looking back. Now, if it comes up, what do I do? <gasps> no. Stand. Resist. Have a great day. The devil flees. What a concept. Oh, how much money did that cost me? These guys are making an industry off of it. Okay. Now, that's the first thing. But then they say, oh, yeah. Okay. Those were interesting passages of Scripture. Uh, but we know that Christians uh, who are demon-possessed go to church services really and what they do is they take here's just one verse uh that they take out of context okay it's this one luke 4 31 through 35 then he went down speaking of jesus went down to capernaum a town in galilee and on the sabbath began to teach the people and they were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority okay and in the synagogue there was a what uh-oh a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. And he cried out the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. All right, let me, let's add that up tonight. One, two, three, four, five, six words coming out of Jesus' mouth. And how long did you think it, it took him to say that? So very short. It, it wasn't eight hours of this endless hooping and hollering right? And it wasn't a whole giant, giant diatribe of techniques and things you had to remember. 
It was just very straight to the point. Quiet, get out of here. That's it. Anyway, and then the demon what? Threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. But this is the passage that they'll actually bring up and say, well, well, see, see, this, this guy was a, a Christian. He was demon-possessed in the church service. No, let's take it apart, okay? Uh, first of all, this guy is not a Christian because it clearly said they're in a what? A Jewish synagogue, okay? Not a Christian church like you and I today. Second, these people clearly, it says, were meeting on the Sabbath. Do you and I meet on the Sabbath? No, okay, so we meet on Sunday because we're not Jewish like those people were at that time frame. And most importantly, uh, the church wasn't even born yet. So there were no Christians at this time on the planet. This happened prior to Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church. So how could you say that's a Christian, i.e. a church term, when the church wasn't even born? Okay, this was a non-Christian, a Jewish man, who attended a Jewish synagogue Sabbath day service. Okay, now I will say this. Do people who are non-Christians even come to Christian services? Yeah, right? So I'm not even against the idea that there's somebody who could come to a church service that's demon-possessed, but that doesn't make him a Christian, right? And dare I say, and I think some of us have been here long enough, I think we have noticed that there's been some of our service that have been interrupted by people who I frankly think were demonically possessed. Okay, but that doesn't make him a Christian, Right? But see, they take that and they twist it. Now, here's another one. This is one of the most abused things they say. They say, well, we, the Bible says this is why we need deliverance ministries because we need to bind and loose them. Really? Well, let's take a look at that, right? And typically, again, they'll misquote scripture, and here it is. Matthew 16 says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, there you have it, folks, total proof as to why you and I as Christians need to bind and loose demons. We need to scream and yell and do all this stuff in the hoop and holler, and then hopefully after an extended period of time, they might actually leave, maybe. No. First of all, this passage, and I'll leave it up there, uh, and that's the whole passage right there. Show me anywhere in that passage that mentions demons. Mm, rhymes with nowhere, for those of you actually looking at it. Okay, it has nothing to do with demons. This is a perfect example of taking the text completely out of context and reading into it that's absolutely nothing there. This has nothing to do with spiritual warfare. There's no mention of the devil or demons in this passage at all. They implant that into this text completely wrong. Okay, the words there, binding and loosing, literally mean forbid and permit. And it's talking about church authority in that passage. In the context, uh, this is after Peter's statement, read the context, that Jesus was the Christ. And Jesus, of course, responded, you're right, Peter, on this rock, your profession, okay, I will build my church, okay? And the expression, by the way, if you want to go even further, uh, bind and loose not only means to forbid and permit, speaking of church authority, it was actually a Jewish phraseology that meant that something was forbidden and it was allowed. And in the context of what he's talking about here is that Peter, okay, would have the authority as the church, not meaning like the Pope, that, that's a false teaching too that people mess up with this passage, but he's talking about that as they preach the gospel, okay, that basically that's opening the kingdom of heaven and now there's a way that you could be permitted, right? And those that reject the gospel after preaching, guess what? 
you're forbidden. You're, you're shut out because you rejected it, right? That's the authority that he's talking about there as we preach the gospel. Every time you and I preach the gospel, that's what's going on, right? If somebody responds to the gospel, what happens? They're permitted to go to heaven. Every time they reject it, they're what? Right? They're forbidden because you don't have access. You can only come through Jesus Christ. The words did not even mean that it has nothing to do with spiritual warfare. Now, with all that said, that's what the words mean. It just simply means forbid and permit. Right? And it has nothing to do with spiritual warfare. Now, I've often wondered this. Even if you wanted to say it had everything to do with spiritual warfare, this is the most goofiest, ridiculous practice I've ever heard in my life. Because why in the world would you sit there and why would you so-called bind a demon and then immediately turn around and let him go? Right? Loose, you bind it and the loose, what? How about bind it and keep it bound? But that's not even what it means. The reason why it sounds so goofy is because, number one, that's not what the context means. It's completely taken out of context. It has nothing to do with spiritual warfare. It's about church authority and about sharing the gospel, opening the kingdoms of heaven through the God. It's goofy because it doesn't mean that. Now, again, that's typically what they'll do. So they'll sit there and say that our hands are tied. We need a spiritual guru to help us. That's not true. That when you're experiencing spiritual warfare, okay, uh, you need to follow their, you know, hooping and hollering, screaming and yelling, and God says, no, you just stand and resist. Right? Then they say that Christians can be demon-possessed and only they can get rid of that demon for you. That's not true. Then they say, well, Christ, uh, Christians are demon-possessed in the scripture. That's not true. Then they say, well, God's called us to do this kind of spiritual warfare because uh, we've got to bond and loosen demons. That's not true. So what do they stand on? Nothing. And dare I say, you know why they get away with it? Because they'll say, how many times have you heard it quoted? I bind you, Satan, I loose you, demon, I bind you. And nobody's ever once looked it up. That's why they get away from it. They never look at the Bible. Read the Bible, right? There's all kinds of Christianese out there, but it doesn't make it scripture. Or it might be scripture, but it's completely taken out of context, right? And again, the whole time, these people, I, my heart goes out to them because they're in a sad state of affair. Maybe they are in a weakened state. Maybe they are experiencing spiritual warfare. But the way to get back on track is to get back to Christian basics and abide in Jesus Christ. And if you are experiencing actual demonic stuff, then all you do is just stand and resist. Have a great day. I don't, and you could deal with it right then and there. You don't need somebody to come. You're not hanging, hogtied. Ah! And you certainly don't have to pay somebody money. But to show you how convoluted it is, this is just one example of how many, these guys, they've got techniques, and they just invent them. Everybody's got their different list of all the things. Remember what God says to do if you're experiencing spiritual warfare, what do you do? Stand, resist. Two things. And that's easy to remember. I'm just going to give you one example. This is one so-called deliverance ministry. And if you encounter any kind of demonic issue, here's the steps you've got to follow. See if you could ever remember all of this, right? Watch this, right? Here, it's only 25. <laughs> God said two. <laughs> Here's what they say. This is from their own website. You need to make sure that your own heart is clean, right? Well, how am I supposed to know that? The Bible says, I don't even know my own heart. Heart is wicked, deceitful. Well, whatever, you give it a try, will you? You got 24 more to go, right? Uh, uh, pray about deliverance ministry assignments. Okay, well, all righty. I guess that's on the list. And have a team of intercessors praying in another room. All right, so apparently that's like a turbo boost or something. You, you don't have the authority to deal with it on your own. And okay, well, whatever. But anyway, uh, pray for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. 
Can I tell you something? They're always in the operation for the Christian from the moment of salvation, but whatever. Let's move on. Uh, pray in tongues. And of course, what they mean is the gibberish thing, but we saw this. That's not even biblical. That's not going to help. Okay. Uh, plead the blood of Jesus. Okay. Well, Jesus praised God for his blood, but uh, bringing it up like some sort of an idol, I don't know that that's going to, but whatever. Oh, 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 oh and, we, and fast before the session, right? Because you need to, you need to somehow drum up your own power, right? And do that. Oh, oh and ask the Lord to reveal strongholds. Well, wait a second. I thought you were the spiritual guru who knew all this stuff. And what do you have to, but let's just move on. Uh, uh, don't cast out devils alone. Oh, wait a second. Your whole premise is you got the ability to do it and I need you and I can't do it myself. But then, well, okay, let's move on. Uh, study scripture. Yeah, that's the understatement of 2019. Amen. So yeah, <laughs> I wish you would. Okay, let's move on. Uh, warn the one who is getting ministered to in advance that they will be tempted to run. And if you've ever seen some of their techniques, you understand why. <laughs> Whew, and we're gonna, I'm going to show you one in, in a little bit. Right? Uh, ask the one being ministered to if it's okay to touch them before this session begins. You know why? You don't want to get sued. Right? Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm not done. Uh, designate one person as the leader. Well, I thought you were the leader, and how many people do we need in this room? And then, but anyway, well, let's move on. Uh, submit any words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, or other prophetic insight to the leader so they can use them at the right time. How about you stick with the Bible? Well, what happened to the Bible? Why do I need to get some so-called word from God outside of God and only at the last minute that somebody's got some secret knowledge and that's the clue that I can't just read, I can't go to the Bible? Oh, but see, we're not done yet. Ask the person if they know what the issues are. Well, wait a second, you're the one who's supposed to word of knowledge and all this insight and you're the guru. Why do you got to ask them? And they're coming to you. You're the one supposed to know if it's a spirit of bubble gum or whatever. Let's move on. Hey, have the person seeking deliverance forgive anyone. Okay, forgiving is great, but you know, uh, let's, oh, oh, and don't get distracted by the manifestations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and bind them. Oh, there you go. You got to bind them. Okay. And uh, out of context there. And try to be safe, right? You know, okay. Apparently, this technique's OSHA approved. I don't know. Uh, but you can't always uh, cast out demons in one session. One person can only take so much. Now, this is why, bingo, this is why I, when Jesus was dealing with an actual demon, how many words and how long did it take? Folks, we don't need to have days on end and whatever. It's in the authority you stand and resist in Christ, in God's word and his power. Uh, oh, and try to be led by the Holy Spirit. Well, no kidding. Okay. Uh, notice it's a try, though, because I don't know if you're going to make it or not. But, uh, and here's now, uh, pray for protection for yourselves, your family, and your friends, right? Because apparently your work is messing up other people as well. Uh, and, and break and bind all retaliatory attacks, okay, uh, whatever that uh, means. And, and never share publicly what happens in a deliverance session. <laughs> what's that, so you don't get sued part two? You know, what's going on here, right? Hey, you guys get these memorized yet? Remember, God says two things, stand, resist, have a great day. And I, I'm, I've already lost track. Oh, and by the way, have a trash can and Kleenex on hand. Now, I want to give you a taste of what these guys are doing in churches, and it has everything to do with the trash can and the Kleenex on hand. Because these people, again, say, again, the premise is you and I have no ability to deal with spiritual warfare. That's a lie. But they really do teach a big lie that Christians are possessed and can be possessed. And they've got all these techniques to get rid of that demon. That's why you're having troubles, is because you're possessed, and, and we can do it. But here is a, quote, deliverance church and this is a part of their normal church service, okay? And you tell me if any of their techniques is going to help any of these people out. But let's take a look.
Demonic possession, the idea that evil spirits or the devil can move into human bodies, somehow occupy us, it's not just the stuff of horror films. In fact, to hear the pastor we meet tonight tell it, we've all got our demons, a statement that might not sound so controversial until you see how he goes about getting rid of them. I visited his congregation for our series, Beyond Belief. At the Agape Bible Fellowship in East Aurora, a small town outside Buffalo, an extraordinary ministry is taking place. Our church service is, is pretty, it's, it's normal. You know, we open in prayer, we sing praise songs, we uh, open the Word of God, most importantly. At first glance, that seems about right. On a recent Saturday, we visited Agape, and it seems like any other church in any other town. But the paper towels and shopping bags stacked neatly in the back of the room are a clue that something's different here. When they are brought out, it's a sign that the fireworks are about to begin. Most of our services are just a normal Baptist service. Until we get to the end when we tackle the believers. And when Pastor John says tackles, he means it literally. Agape Bible Church is a deliverance church where they say they expel demons through prayer. I bind you. No. I bind you. No. Now listen, no. It begins quietly. I command every demon right now to look up to the third heaven. But they leave through incessant yawns. And then sometimes they'll leave with uh, pockets of air coming up, burps. Or they'll leave with, uh, with actual mucus. Some of this is painful. Uh, it's just that demon having to leave under the authority and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. By 9 o'clock, the room is filled with screams, moans, writhing bodies. Diane Kohler says deliverance has changed her life. Just comes right up, and um, it's such a cleansing feeling. It's uh, um, a relief. You know you're getting rid of these demons. It's just amazing what the Lord can do to get rid of these things in me. And if it looks a little off-putting, Pastor John says that's the point. People have to get over the hump of, this looks foolish. This looks like something I didn't do in church last Sunday. This looks weird. But God uses it, we find, to humble people for them to finally admit that they may not know everything and to before God be honest and say, I need help. For these uh, believers, you, uh, Pastor John's deliverance ministry helps with everything from sins of the flesh, adulterers, drunkards, drug addicts, to the surrender to the occult. I break any and all curses. To sicknesses. All spirits of muscle spasm, cramps, uh, restless legs, um, all the demons that are in the muscles, hemorrhoids. If you're breathing, you got them. If you're not breathing, don't worry about it. Everybody's got them. It's just a question of how many do you got? Everybody's got them, he says, including himself. Wow. So everybody, hey, Ron, you don't know how tempting it was for me to just r remove the audio track and say, hey, look at this church. They serve KFC at their potluck. <laughs> and it would have slid right in perfectly. But as bad and sick as that is, 
What are they, what's the premise here? Where's the victory in Christ? Yet nobody's got any victory. Everybody's bound by demons. What kind of a savior do we got? According to these guys. And that, excuse me, and what, did you hear what he was saying? Uh, if you think you're going to yawn up a demon, burp out a demon, spit up a demon, and follow any of their so-called man-made techniques, you're never going to get better. Number one, if you're a born-again Christian, you cannot have a demon inside you. You can be externally oppressed to commit adultery, but it's not because you got a demon of adultery inside you. It's completely antithetical to Scripture, right? And things of that nature, okay? You are being duped, okay, by these people. And it's sad. And it's bad enough that the world thinks that we're a bunch of wackos when we share the gospel. Oh, you're not one of them. This ain't helping, man. Between the hucksters we saw last week with the prosperity of greed, right? The gospel of greed, the name it and claim it baloney, and they laugh all the way at us, and we get all lumped in there. And then you combine this stuff where they're barfing up demons in a bag. No wonder nobody wants to listen to us right? But it's not true, okay? But again, I kept saying, you're going, are you seriously? It's not just that they've got all their techniques, but I'm telling you, they're making money off of it, right? It's an industry, just like the other guys. They're becoming millionaires. I'm just going to give you one example of that guy, okay? He's been around for quite some time. You might have heard, maybe not, but his name is Bob Larson, all right? He was in existence even back when I was in Bible college, and as far as I know, he's still going today, Okay, but let me give you a screenshot. This guy is, he is the guru, right? Because each of these deliverance ministries, they're the guru, right? And only they have the ability to deal with spiritual warfare. The rest of us, we're toast, right? So we need to come to them like a Catholic priest. But here's his website there, as you can see there, boblarson.org, if you want to check it out and have uh, some entertainment going on there. Uh, but notice what he says there, in case you don't get the, uh, uh, the, you know, see it right off the bat, Jim. He's the real exorcist. Right? Again, what's the premise? If you and I were to experience spiritual warfare, uh, right, we're toast. We need to have Bob Larson come and help us out because we just don't have the techniques. We don't have the power. Only he does, right? He's like a Protestant Catholic priest, apparently, right? Now, but again, uh, that's the website there. It's got all kinds of stuff, but it makes lots of money off of it, and I'll demonstrate that in a second. Notice that there's seminars that you can uh, go to and that, and then, of course, material. You've got to buy material. But over here, notice it's not just a school. What kind of a school? exorcism school right is there now so i've clicked on over there and this is what you get i don't know if you can see that there but the top there you got the apprentice level look all the way to the very end how much that cost 995 dollars so it's only a grand if you want to be an apprentice but if you keep going you can get the warrior level and again that's 995 and, and then of course hey you got to keep going because the ultimate goal is you got to somehow figure out the right technique to deal with this demon right that you're supposedly experiencing, and that's the exorcist level, so that's another $995. But hey, Bob Larson apparently cares about people because you can get all three right now uh, for 500 bucks. <laughs> and what's God say? All you do is stand and resist. I didn't say it, he did. And what's the devil do? He will, not maybe not might, he'll flee from you. That's it, that's all you gonna do. So this guy is charging money. He's making a ton of uh, money off of it. And uh, just like the prosperity gospel people, this guy's a millionaire too. It's crazy. Watch this. 
Exorcisms, once mainly performed by Catholic priests, were usually done quietly behind closed doors. But that's not the case with some modern-day exorcisms. As Fox 6's Sherry Palmieri reports, one evangelist says he has performed thousands of them. Take a look. Of Almighty God, torment! Get up! Get up and face the judgment of God. Get up. Get up! Get up! <laughs> Get out of the way, June. Just let the evil be there. Come out! Oh! Go! Out. Come on, tell this thing where to go. Out. But Larson believes as much as 50% of the population is demonized. He says that's why public exorcisms are important. Your ministry is paying for this beachfront room. <laughs> now, Reverend Larson claims that he is not profiting by doing these exorcisms, but Fox 6 News takes a closer look. The Bob Larson ministry is funded by contributions. Would you say, I murder? I murder. But for several years, Larson's been dogged by questions of his finances and how they relate to his ministry. Representing the devil. This is it. We obtained the church's financial report and sat down with him to ask him about those allegations. Uh, do you want to look at The records signed by him show he received $142,000 in compensation and $28,000 for his pension. But he says it went to other things. The documents that you have indicate compensation that's given for expenses uh, to take care of the travel, and for other living expenses. So this is for your travel? Part of that is for travel, yes. He says his compensation covers his travel, but we found another part of the report that says the ministry paid for travel expenses. We asked, then what about the $186,000 in the same document that's for travel? That's separate. You'll have to talk to our county. Fox 6 News has seen documents on file from his divorce, so we asked. When you were divorced, you were a millionaire? No. You weren't a millionaire? No. He said it was all false. It's one individual who actually made up financial documents about me. So, in your divorce proceedings, you didn't have a million four in property? That's possible at that time. I mean, we're talking about over 15 years ago. Wait, so you were a millionaire then? I don't really remember what the status was at that particular time. Somebody's got a spirit of lying. Maybe there's a demon of lying inside you, pal. Excuse me? Liar, liar, pants. Hey, the, folks, this is just another technique. This, to me, is no better off and no more biblical than the prosperity hucksters, right? These guys have also found a way to make money off of people not reading the Bible in the church, right? The other guys do it out of people's uh, poverty, and their health problems, and they seduce them and rip them off of their money. These guys do it with people who are there, I say, in a spiritually weakened state. But instead of doing what Jesus said, abide in him, get back on track, and then if you do experience spiritual warfare, just stand and resist, these guys are becoming millionaires. The whole thing, folks, is a sham, okay? Now, it not only is a way that they figured out how to make, again, unfortunately, money, these false teachers off of people, but sometimes it kills people. These techniques that they do on these people, ma'am, 
People are dying. Let me give you just a couple examples. This is, I, didn't, I don't think this is anywhere on Mr. Larson's website. But watch this. This is all articles. I'm just going to read some highlights for you. In Milwaukee Strip Mall, several people gathered around Terrence Cottrell, an eight-year-old autistic child, fervent in their intentions, yet misled in their methods. Members of this deliverance church laid hands on Terrence and began to pray that God would deliver him from the evil spirits that they believe were behind his condition. All right? So, two hours later, little Terrence lay dead, wrapped in a sweat-soaked sheet while his mother and several church members frantically attempted to revive him. The coroner's report, they suffocated him to death. Watch this. The boy's mother later told investigators that the minister had held Terrence on the floor with one hand on the boy's head and with his knee pressed into the boy's chest. The mother and another woman had held one of his legs while a third woman lay across his torso. Which is going to kill him. This, it's not only dangerous because it's false teaching. These techniques, folks, are deadly. Let me give you another one. That's just the beginning. Let me give you a couple more. Pentecostal ministers in San Francisco pummeled a woman to death attempting to drive out demons. Because you saw Bob Larson. He was getting pretty forceful there. You only got to see just teeny snippets. And other people get even more violent. But somehow that's going to make that demon go if there's even one involved, right? But they pummeled her to death. What? A Korean Christian woman was trampled to death in Glendale, California in a so-called exorcism, okay? A five-year-old girl died after being forced to swallow a mixture of ammonia and vinegar in an attempt to drive out an evil spirit. Now, let me, let me just back up there while well, that's still there. Why is this going on? And this is what I've told you through this whole charismatic chaos study what is unfortunate i'm not saying that some of these people aren't even saved i don't know their heart but i'm not saying they're not saved but what's sad is they're being duped and they're never going to grow up to become a disciple because guess what's not happening they're not reading the bible they're not even being really taught the bible and what so-called bible is being taught to them is completely out of context and it's destroying lives it's crazy and that's what breaks my heart people are dying and people are being led astray Okay, because of this. A 17-year-old girl in Sayville, New York, was suffocated with a plastic bag while her mother tried to destroy a demon inside her. How would that ever happen if somebody just taught you basic biblical truth? It can't. Now, this, this is the article. This is what it says. The disturbing nature of these tragedies have led many to question the methods of those who practice, quote, deliverance ministry. And they reveal an ongoing state of confusion in the church regarding who the devil is. Uh-huh. Who's the defeated one? Is it Jesus? Is it the Christian? But what's the premise that they have? According to them, the devil's got more power than Jesus. Right? But they, they don't understand who the devil is, what he does, and how can he be stopped? Right? And they resort to man-made gimmicks and techniques that do not work, right? They said, amazingly, few in the deliverance ministry actually claim, listen, that their methods and theology are derived strictly from the Scripture. In fact, they admit that they're not even getting this from the Bible. Quote, sometimes we let our experience determine our theology. And again, that's the other danger I've said from this whole thing, is once you get outside the Bible, I don't care whether you're a Jehovah's Witness or whether you're a Mormon or a Seventh-day Adventist or a Catholic, once you get outside the Bible, you can say you're a Christian all day long. You will always go into error. 
and you will always be led astray. And eventually, if you're the one that's going outside, you're going to birth a false teaching. And you keep it up, you will become a false teacher. It's all because you got outside the book. And charismatics say, oh no, we follow the scripture. But what we experience is it's really their experience that is dictating what they consider as spiritual truth. That's the danger. And they admit it, right? And then listen to this. He said, the experiences are often strange enough to make the stodgiest scholar rethink his doctrine, including one, listen, one woman supposedly expelling demons through flatulence. So you start off with burps and you threw it up in a bag, comes out and yawns. And I, I kid you not, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm sitting there going, okay, if th that was really true and you really wanted to help somebody out, you want to help your whole church get rid of these demons, <laughs> then you need to go to the store and you need to buy a case of beans, right? Give them to people for free if you love them and let it do its work. So everybody can be delivered. Are you serious you're going to get rid of a demon through flatulence? Wow. And then finally says this, another so-called deliverance minister, Kim Daniels, right, attributes many issues in her deliverance ministry. Listen to this. She admits it goes even darker to two key factors. Where did she get it from? Quote, sympathetic magic and charismatic witchcraft. Ooh. So as we've said before, I'm not saying there's not a spirit behind what you're experiencing, but that doesn't make it the Holy Spirit of God. And you've heard me throughout the study, and we haven't got to the history portion yet, but when you take a look at the history of the charismatic church, it is New Age, Hinduism, and occult practices. She admits it, right? Now, listen to this. She says, while Daniels admits that there's no direct reference to sympathetic magic in Scripture, yeah, she says, quote, everything can't be put into Scripture. Napoleon sailed across the water, but you can't find that in the Word. You've got to be kidding me. And then, listen, here's, here it is. What is she getting this truth from? Suppose it's error. To knowledge, to special revelations that God has shown her. Back to what we've been saying through the whole study. Oh, I know that's what the Bible says, but you don't understand. God told me to tell you, or God told me that this was what it was. God. You're outside the Bible. And you get outside the Bible, and you come up with all this baloney. And people are becoming millionaires off of it. And people who do need help, they're not being told the biblical way to just, just get back to the basics, man. Abide in Christ. And if you experience warfare, you don't have to freak out or be afraid. God hasn't given a spirit of fear. Just stand and resist. Have a great day. Nope, apparently that's too easy. And so even the people who really do need help are being led astray. As we saw, some people are dying. And dare I say, this is a rotten witness. Come on. It's hard enough to share the gospel. Are you serious? You're going to say you're going to get rid of demons through flatulence. And then you're going to combine it with witchcraft. Come on, the world knows better. Why can't we, the church, speak up in love and call it for what it is? This is heresy, right? It is an aberrant belief, just like with female pastors, prosperity gospel, people are being led astray. Lord willing, next time we're going to get into something typically that comes out of the charismatic community as well. And that is going to be the issue of salvation. And typically most charismatic churches and most charismatics believe that you can, on top of all this, not only be possessed by a demon, okay, but you can lose your salvation. What? If you could lose, the key word there is your salvation, then guess what? It was your salvation. But you cannot lose the salvation we have in Christ. 
okay? And so we're going to deal with that because here's my concern. How far can you push saying that you can lose your salvation and you're not really solely trusting in the grace and the, the work of Jesus Christ? And you're really placing your hope in your own work. And you say, well, how do you get to that? I don't, we'll get into this in great detail, Lord willing, next time. But on the one hand, you say that we don't work for our salvation. And typically, they'll agree with that. And that is biblical. We don't, right? But then, what's the premise? But you can work your way out of it. And everybody has their sins that you can work your way out. Everybody's got a list, just like the deliverance techniques. Well, wait a second. If I could work my way out of it, then I'm trying to work for it. That's not the gospel, folks. And that's my concern. I don't know your heart. But if you're trusting in your own work, you may say not to earn it, but to keep it. That's the same flip side of the same coin, man. That's works based through and through. And so my question to you is, are you really born again? And then maybe that would explain why that maybe some of these people, they do have demons inside of them. But it's because they're not a Christian. Because of another heresy. But we'll deal with that, Lord willing, next time. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's His standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven 
on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know, it's actually on historical record, that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so, even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.